on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to episode 40 of the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. It's time for us to review the Kazan Epe World Cup, the final Olympic qualifier for the Epeists. Uh, uh, joining me, as always, is uh, David Baker. David, how are you? Okay, Bash, probably a bit less tired than you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the hotel room in Kazan. Uh, hiding away from the general public in order to try and get home safely uh, without COVID. Uh, but I've got to say, actually, the, the uh, FIA have done an amazing job. There were some issues I hear in uh, Budapest, but uh, here in Kazan, massive venue, lots of social distancing. The fences were wearing masks. There was actually quite limited screaming, which was the thing that I think was uh, the most surprising for me. Uh, but... Uh, you know, everyone seems to have got out of here, um, apart from me and my co-commentator, Jeff Bukans, uh safely. I haven't heard anything about uh, any positive tests. I-, I would be surprised if there were none, uh, but they've certainly done a great job uh, in terms of uh, the COVID protocols here in Kazan. Uh, but let's get, to, uh, get, let's get to fencing, shall we, and, and uh, Olympic qualification. Uh, coming into the competition, China, Russia, Poland, the United States held the top four team places. Italy, South Korea and Canada held their respective zonal spots. And because no African team was in the top 16, Estonia uh, benefited from uh, having uh, the bonus place, if you like. Uh, in the individual for the women, uh, Anna Maria Popescu and Coraline Vitali had the European spots. Uh, the Pan American spot was with world champion Natalie Mulhausen from Brazil. The African spot was held by Sara Bezbez. And the two Asian spots were held by Kong Manwei Vivian of Hong Kong and Sato Nozomi of Japan. So, Dave. Uh, I talked a lot about Olympic qualification over the weekend, so I'm just going to hand it over to you. Uh, how did how did things start? Let's let's go with the teams to to start with. Yeah, so we had day one, it was sort of a split over two days on a team event, which I quite like to be honest. So you do all the preliminary stuff, and it goes down to a top eight. So obviously, the first thing we were looking at was whether Egypt was going to qualify, and obviously they uh, they had a great start to the to the day, beating Brazil. Um, which, which you know, that's a team with Natalie Mulhouse and our world champion in it. So that put Egypt on the on the front foot to qualify, but uh, couldn't quite do it in the end. Uh, Japan actually, who was sort of their rival for sixteenth place on the table, um, had an equally good day uh, and uh, and kept Egypt out of the top sixteen. So that was that was sort of where we stood, knowing that there was an extra bonus place most likely going to. Uh, a European team, so they were all very happy because of that. Obviously, Egyptians not very happy. And uh, the other thing that happened on day one was the USA losing, and that was their worst result all season, uh, which meant they couldn't improve on their points total. Uh, so then the question was who could catch them in the top four. Uh, most likely contenders, Italy um, had more paths, uh, but then also, which would be great for a European team, because uh, another European team in the top four, means there's space for a, a European place. Uh, but also South Korea had a very good chance of catching the USA as well, um, both needing to be up inside the top four for that to happen. So that was all uh, that was all to watch for on, on day one, Bash, but it, it left everything quite um, quite well poised, shall we say. Yeah, it certainly did. And uh, you, like you say, uh, the USA, um, well, they had a bit of a, a bad day for them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're, they're a very strong team. Um, two Hurleys, Cat Holmes, uh, Anna Van Brummen as well. Um, 
I think the worst result all season before today was seventh. So they're remarkably consistent. So yeah, to go out in the to go out in the top sixteen is quite unlike them. So as you say, we went into a second day of qualification for the teams. Um, what were we looking for? Yeah, so it was really all in the top half of the draw, to be frank. Um, so we were uh, going to see what um, what Korea, Italy could do. Um, unfortunately, uh, that would you know there were there were options available for France and Ukraine possibly if Italy were able to get up there. France obviously needed to have a good day. Um, they but they had the draw against world number one China, which is always going to be very difficult. So there were there were there were multiple permutations going into the day. Uh, one of which was resolved. Um, reasonably reasonably quickly with France losing to China so that that took out their option um and then uh Italy losing to Korea and that really did end any hopes for Ukraine and France um but then Estonia despite losing uh in the eight had had then qualified on that basis with that extra spot so um although a European team lost to Korea in in the in the eight uh, that was the uh, that was the opening for for Estonia, even though they lost. So that was good news. We learned that Estonia had qualified, and then what we then had was the chance for Korea to take out the uh, US place in the top four, and they had a match against world number one China. So effectively, it meant that if China beat Korea, then the USA would stay inside the top four. Canada would qualify. If Korea beat China, then Korea moves inside the top four. And Hong Kong would take Canada's place, and it was a remarkably close match. I mean, it was it was tied up until the sixth leg, a couple of uh, matches either way. But in the end, yeah, Korea Korea got through, and that removes the USA from the top four, meaning they take the Pan Am place uh, at the expense of Canada, who really have been in qualification all season. So very cruel for them. Um, and because Korea go into the top four, we need to find another Asian team, and the next highest one is Hong Kong. Yeah, we called we called the uh, Korea China match because obviously we knew well, I knew what was what was at stake with that one, uh, and it was actually quite a big turnaround uh, in the end. I mean, not big in terms of scoreline, but uh, Korea came from behind uh, to to win hmm. that. Uh, so let me give you a couple of uh, behind the scenes things. Uh, yes. uh, so. I had to run off after the Korea-China match to go and have my PCR test to get on the plane to fly home. Uh, at the same time as Erica Kerpu. <laughs> and <laughs> she, she came to me and said, uh, I, think, I think we've done it. I think we've done it. I mean, we lost, but France lost. Yeah. And I said, yeah, you, you have done it. You've done it. I, I'll go and check the, the Dave Baker calculator, but <laughs> you've done it. And so she... I went and checked it. She was going having her test, and then uh, she was a, a while. And I, I went over to the Estonian team, and I just said congratulations and did the the elbow bump, which has become commonplace yep. at fencing competitions. And they all went, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you." And then as I was walking off, they went, "We've qualified? Have we qualified?" <laughs> <laughs> they didn't realise I was congratulating them for qualifying. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then I bumped into Erica. Uh, on, on the way back uh, to, to the commentary position. And I, I, she said, did you check? I said, yes, I checked. It's you, you, you've qualified. And she, she came to, she stepped forward to give me a hug and you know, <laughs> celebrate and then immediately remembered, oh, no, we can't do that. No, and she just yeah, yeah. jumped up and down like a giddy kid in front oh, of me. So it was so nice to see that. Yeah. 
They're a great um, team, the Estonians. They've got a lot of time for them. So Yeah, yeah, really good. And the other tidbit is that I saw um, Hughes Obrey before the uh, Korea-China mm. match. And, and uh, again, elbow bumps and all that kind of stuff. And he was so, like, you know, you know what the passion is inside that man. And he was just like, we've done it. We can get two gold medals at the Olympic Games. And I said, you, you think two gold medals? And he said, yes, the one year has been painful for everybody, but we have been training the year has been good for us. And it was really like, I could see, you know, they, they're really gunning for Olympic gold when they had a, you know, chance of not qualifying at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. He was, um, I mean, always an optimistic man, but uh, I think I last saw him in Barcelona about this time last year. And um, he, uh, he was very confident that they had a pathway to qualification in both the men's and the women's and he wasn't wrong. So yeah. Yeah, so so good stuff there. Uh, so give us a summary then. How, how did the uh, the teams for Epe in or win the women's Epe uh, end up in yeah, terms of so, qualification? So our top four is China, Poland, Russia, and Korea, and then Italy take the European place. The USA take the Pan Am place. Hong Kong takes the Asian place, and there's no space for Africa. Egypt is 17th on the world ranking, so that extra additional African place goes to Estonia. Well, congratulations to all of them. But, of course, we had the individual event uh, a couple of days before uh, the team. And uh, did it, did anything on the individual day make a difference to what we knew going in? Yeah, massively. Um, and this was this was always going to be the, the battle we had. So we knew Popescu was qualified. We knew Malhausen was qualified. We knew Bezpes was qualified. Um so that that was that was nice and easy. There was a debate whether Sato was going to be the best Japanese fencer versus Yoshimura, um, but you know, again, that was always that was Sato always had a nice, healthy lead there. It was always uh, the question was one or either or neither of Vitaly uh, and Kravitska, and in the end, unbelievably, Kravitska making the sixteen, I believe, um, yep. uh, and not going any further puts her tied with Vitaly. Yes. Um, on, both on 111 points, and unfortunately, Vitaly being European champion, places ahead of Kravitska's bronze medal at the World Championships. Yeah, so there was a count back, wasn't there? I mean, you yeah. say unfortunately, unfortunately for Kravitska, yes. uh, very, very fortunately for Vitaly, and, and that European gold medal uh, was the thing that made the difference. 111 points each, was it? 111 points each, and I mean, incredible for France as well. I mean, I think this speaks to how their struggles with the team event um, but that you've got within the top 35 French women, so that's Vitaly, Louis, Alexander Louis-Marie, Candassimi, Jacques-André, Oran Malo, all within the top 30 comfortably, and they can't get a team to the games. So that's that's um, that was really the standout for me, and they didn't have a good season in teams. No, they didn't. And uh, Hong Kong picking up the uh, the Asian spot because... Korea jumped into the top four means that uh, Kong Man Wei Vivian doesn't need her individual spot. So how did that affect the uh, the Asian situation, the second spot? Exactly. So yeah, that was a really interesting one because uh, I think we alluded to us in the, in the preview bash, but uh, you'd have to go looking for the next best Asian fencer that wasn't Chinese, Japanese, Korean or from Hong Kong. Um, and I, I did uh, pretty shortly after that uh, result get a message from one of my friends who is uh, Uzbekistani saying, hey, I think that's us. And yes, Malika Kakamova uh, is 76th on my ranking, has actually had a reasonably good season, has made the 64 a couple of times. 
um, last eight at, uh, no, last 16, sorry, at Asian Championships. So not a bad season. She has 23 points and she has qualified for the Olympic Games. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, well, that's the, the, the women's EPE uh, sorted out then for, uh, for Tokyo, bar the uh, special zonal championships and, uh, you know, whether... Uh, the Japanese decide to use their host nation spot. So that's my final question on women's epee. Do you think uh, there'll be a couple of extra places for women's epee in Japan? I think there's going to be one weapon, or there, we've sort of determined that there's going to be one weapon that misses out on a team event. And I would either say it's women's epee or women's saber, and I think it's probably women's saber that miss out. So I think they'll add a couple of Japanese women's epeeists. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And they were they were on cracking form, actually, mm. and, and really going for it here in uh, in Kazan. Um, so there you go. Uh, women's Epe sorted. Right, let's go on to a men's Epe going into the event in the team setup. We had France, Italy, Switzerland, and Ukraine in the top four. Korea, Hungary, United States, and Egypt picking up their respective zonal spots in the individual stakes. It was Sergei Bida of Russia and Bazavine of the Netherlands who had the two uh, European spots, uh, Yamada Masaru and Ruslan Kerbinov, uh, Japan and Kazakhstan, picking up the two Asian spots, uh, Ruben Lamado with the Pan-American spot, and Hussam El-Khord uh, from Morocco with the African spot. So what happened in men's epic? I'll tell you what, I was confused. Well, it's, it's, it was, yeah. I think I think we said last time, Bash, that you know Egypt were doing everything they needed to do. They were fine, making last 16s, no worries, what could possibly go wrong? They made the last 16 again, beat one of their peers, Estonia. So you're thinking it was all fine. And then it wasn't. So Spain had a great day, great day. Germany had a good day too. And suddenly, you know, you're plugging the numbers into the spreadsheet and you're like, this doesn't, this doesn't work for Egypt. Um, they're going to need to, they're going to need to pull some results out of the barrel and it didn't happen. And so missed, missed, missed qualification by two points, which I mean, really does show how important these qualification matches are through the season. You know, you, you go and lose in the top 16 and then it's, you know, the, what do they call it? The Coca-Cola cup running out in the back yeah, that no yeah. one cares about two yeah. points that had two more points. They would have gone to the Olympic games, oh, um, which is astonishing. Um, so that's. That's incredible. So again, no Egyptian team in men's epe, which was great news for probably Russia or Hungary, but maybe Ukraine as well. But it really opened up. It opened up um, a few more scenarios. So we knew that France were qualified. We knew Italy were qualified. Switzerland were basically qualified. There were a couple of weird scenarios where they wouldn't be qualified, but they were all but qualified. Korea were qualified. We just didn't know how, um, whether it was going to be top four or not. And then the question was, what were China going to do? What were Ukraine going to do? Oh, and of course, USA were qualified because Venezuela were a long way back, but they couldn't break into the top four, so not very exciting. So what um, what did we learn? We learned that Switzerland made the top eight, uh, and that meant that they were qualified officially, mathematically, couldn't be caught. And then Ukraine made the eight as well, and I spent quite a bit of time after day one trying to run every scenario under the sun into my spreadsheet, and I still couldn't find a way Ukraine weren't qualified. The Ukraine coach messaged me saying he wasn't convinced they were qualified, but maybe uh, maybe that's just natural um, caution. But I, I I declared them qualified on day one because uh, I couldn't find a way they weren't qualified, and that was the same problem for Hungary. They had a really didn't have a good day, finishing fourteenth, uh, which meant that they couldn't beat Russia. They were going to be two points behind Russia no matter what happened, 
So for me on day one, that was the end of Hungarian hopes as well. So what we then had was we needed to have two out of three of China, Russia, and Japan, uh, and the odds were pretty stacked against Japan, um, really, so China and Russia being favourites. So that was where we were at the end of day one. It was a bit simpler than the women's event, I'd say. Mm, mm. I was playing with your spreadsheet, and uh, I was too nervous to say live on air, Ukraine have qualified on day one, at the end of day one, uh, probably having the same caution as the Ukrainian coach. But I, I played around with it. As you know, we were messaging each other on Facebook and uh, I couldn't I couldn't see a way that Ukraine wouldn't qualify even if they finished eighth. So no. I'm, 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 uh, I'm comfortable making big calls like that because I know that I've got about a thousand people re- ready to jump on every mistake that I make. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't really matter on a Facebook page. I guess it'd be different if you're on the FIE commentary stream. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but it was heartbreaking for Hungary. They, yeah. they, they, they knew they knew the, the, the deal at the end of day one of qualification uh, in teams. And uh, bronze medalists, I think, in, in Rio. Yeah. Uh, not going yeah. to be in Tokyo. Well, you think about the, the pedigree of Hungarian yeah. epe, men's epe, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it was an upset for them. So we went into the final day. What what needed to be sorted out, and how was it sorted out? Um, yeah, it actually it actually happened relatively relatively quickly. So Japan lost in the eight. So them winning the competition uh, and trying to sneak past China that way quickly evaporated. Um, and then there was just only another scenario that. Uh, that sort of China sneaking into the four at the expense of Russia would open up a spot for, sorry, the expense of Switzerland is what I'm trying to say, um, would open up another Asian spot. But then China losing in the semi semifinal um, got rid of that sort of slim pickings there. So um, what that meant was uh, Russia, Russia qualified. Um, and in the end, Ukraine winning, uh, no, so Ukraine silver should have won. Um, yes. Watch, watch that, watch that ninth leg. Whatever you do, whatever yeah, yeah. you do, watch that ninth leg. I, I did, um, I, I did watch it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sorry for all the others. Um, uh, moves, but anyway, Ukraine silver moves them into the top four as well, which means we have an all-European top four: uh-huh. France, Italy, Ukraine, Switzerland. That means the Ukraine. Uh, sorry, that means that the European space goes to Russia. The Asian space goes to South Korea. The Pan Am space goes to the USA, and because we do not have Egypt uh, in the team event because they are 17th on the world rankings, China take that extra African place. Yeah, incredible stuff. I mean, you you say it was a a bit more simple, but I'll tell you what, the passion and the uh, energy and the nervousness and the excitement in uh, the Kazan Expo on the t- on the team day was incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's the teams sorted out, uh, but uh, it, it had net effect on the individual. Now, before I ask you any questions, let me tell you a little story about Mister Baz Vavine. <laughs> right, so he travels to Kazan at the last minute um, because he's got work. He's got you know, young children, and uh, he gets to Moscow and misses his connection to, no. to Kazan. No. Uh, oh, uh, I don't think it's his fault. I think it, that his plane landed late and they, yes. his, his connection flight had already gone. So he had to spend a night in Moscow and then come to Kazan, arrived literally as uh, the individual qualification was going on, uh, got his weapons checked, had a little warm-up, had a little fight, 
and uh, then got himself back to the hotel, had a quick rest. And I'll tell you what, had a brilliant day. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he knew his situation was uh, precarious and he did pretty much everything he could making the last date. But the two people that he was up against uh, in terms of the potential situation after the teams had done, uh, Gergely Siklosi of Hungary and Igor Reisland of Ukraine, came first and second. <laughs> so <laughs> it was after the chaos of his flight, he then had the calamity of doing so well um, uh, you know, in the individual, uh, but seeing his two big rivals going better. Um, but in the end, uh, Kazan was quite kind to him. So how did the teams affect individual qualification, Dave? Yeah, so obviously the, the problem for Baz was um, that, uh, that, you know, with, with Hungary, Russia and Ukraine fences above him uh, in precarious qualification positions, the, the nightmare for Baz would have been two out of those three not qualifying. So if Hungary and Russia didn't qualify, Baz is in trouble. If Ukraine and Russia didn't qualify, Baz is in trouble. In the end... Russia and Ukraine qualified. Hungary didn't qualify. So Siklozli takes the first individual place. Baz, now seventh in the world, which is fantastic. Good on him. Um, Baz takes a second European place. Uh, so that's that's now quite clear. Um, with, you know, there's, there's, that, that European zonal competition is going to be insane. Uh, Zavotniak, Freilich, uh, Pereira, Veronian, I mean, it's going to be astonishing. Oh, what's the other, uh, the ex-Cuban uh, as well, um, uh, who fences for Belgium now? Um, oh, I don't remember. Uh, Laloya. I mean, it's going, oh, to be yes. aston- it's going to be astonishing, that event. It's going to be scary. Yeah. Um, so, yes, so those are the two Europeans. Yamada, always good enough. Um, well, I mean, 64 points ahead of Manobi. That's, that's two World Cup wins. He's just been better all year. Um, and then the, the, the happy news for lots of Asian teams in, in, in the mix is Ruslan Kurbanov from Kazakhstan takes that um, takes that second Asian place. So uh, that is uh, good and confirmed for Kurbanov. And that's, uh, not a, that's not a free pass either. He's, he's highly ranked in the world. Oh, absolutely. And was ranked higher than, than all of the Chinese fences and I think had been all season. So was higher than Wang um, for sure. And yeah. Uh, no, he's he's uh, he's earned his place. That's that wasn't. Yeah, you're right. That's not a consolation prize. Um, and the others, we we pretty much knew. I mean, Lamado um, was always going to take. You know, our 2012 gold medalist was always going to take the uh, Pan Am place, given the US. And I mean, he's ninth in the world, so it was pretty much a certainty there. And there was a bit of a threat, possibly in the uh, coming from the Egypt camp, yes. wasn't there? But it, in the individual, but in the end, all good for Hassan El Cord, who has been by far the um, best African fencer this year and, and nearly in the top 16 in the world, 17th in the world rankings. So good yeah. on him. Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, and uh, just to finish off the Baz Vavayan story, he I know he was watching uh, the live stream uh, on the team day because <laughs> he he sent me a message. He said, I think I've done it. And I said, yeah, yeah you, you, you have. And he sent me, I said, you know, I'm really pleased for you. I was commentating at the time, sending messages to yeah. Bass. I probably shouldn't say that, but. Um, he can multitask, Bass. He can. Yeah. He, uh, and I, I said, it's so strange because he was at home. <laughs> He'd already got home. Yeah. And he was self-isolating at home um, following the, the national rules in uh, Holland. Uh, and he sent me a photo of him sitting at his desk 
uh, saying, I see, I found out whilst I'm working from home. It's very strange times. <laughs> and, I, and I put, yeah, you're pretending to work. Yeah, yeah you're watching working, the live stream. <laughs> yeah, so, I, got a, um, I got a message from some of the teams. And obviously, if you weren't involved in the fencing, you weren't allowed in the room. They'd sort of tightened down on that since Budapest. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it makes it worse or not. I mean, I was there in 2016 with people that were sort of chewing off their fingernails in Budapest waiting to see what had happened, but actually watching it in real time. I don't know if it's worse sitting and watching it on the screen in the hotel or sitting at home. I think it probably is worse. You feel like it's more sanitised if you're further away. At least you'd be in the room with surrounded by your friends. And Yes, yeah. It's hard. I don't I, I don't envy these guys. It's, it's, it's This sport's hard enough without, without this uh, Olympic Games nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Epe is sorted out... Uh albeit for the uh, special zonal qualifiers and, uh, of course, Japan. And look, I'm not even going to bother asking the question. Japan are going to use the host nation spots to fill up a men's epo team, and that is for sure. Uh, Dave, as always, thank you very much for your uh, your amazing knowledge of the rankings and letting us know exactly who's qualified for the Olympic Games. Uh, thanks to all of you as well for listening. Uh, we'll be back very quickly, actually, uh, with a preview uh, going into the final foil qualifier when all of the Olympic qualification by ranking will be sorted out. Uh, that happens on Sunday uh, and we'll be bringing you live coverage uh, of the uh, of the competition on the FIE uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and will you be doing your special social as well? We are, yeah, yeah. The Sunday, Sunday evening uh, fan zone uh, will be, or Sunday afternoon, I guess, European time. Uh, we'll be back again, and we've already got some great guests lined up, some top-tier athletes, some great podcast hosts, and um, some other people that are much smarter than me about fencing and foil. So I, <laughs> I, I approve of that. I do. So I'm sorry I can't join you for that, but I'm a little bit busy. Got a job um, to do, Bash. <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. Uh, well, Dave, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks to all of you. We'll be back in a couple of days with a preview of Doha. See you soon.